So, welcome to the Investment Couple, episode 12, looking at range trading. I'm Gary, and I'm here with... Philip. Philip, you're going to kick us off. What's range trading? So, it's worth remembering that for every share price, or every share price indices, they'll follow patterns over a short period of time or long periods of time. So, as an example, if we take, say, the FTSE 100, it started around 84 from memory, and it generally went up until about 2000, until 1987. It had a bit of a crash and it dropped. Then it continued on its market up to about the 90, early 90s, where it had a bit of a wobble, fell off a bit. And then from the mid 90s onwards, it kept going up and up and up until we hit the 2000 boom. And then it had a steady decline then for the next four years. Then at the mid-ish 2000s, it then went back up again, back to 2008. We then had 2009, we had a large crash. And since then, we've had a general trend up. Now that's a very long period. When you start looking at shorter periods of time, you will find that they follow slightly different patterns within that range. So when people think ranges, they think of a static range between two points being up and down. When you look at many things with share prices, what you can often see is it can be a general trend is up or a general trend is down. But when within that, there's ups and downs, like a sinusoidal pattern going up and down, but the general trend is up. So you're stuck between like two parallel lines going up or down. So you can get patterns where you're within a range going up and a range going down, as well as a range when you're just stationary, just hitting up and down between two points as you're going down. But the most important thing to think about with range trading here is, again, it's the time frame, the time span you're talking about. Are you talking decades? Are you talking a year? Are you talking weeks, months, hours? Okay, but I think the thing that kind of gets my, in my brain is the fact that you know day traders, I would say, in my mind, would be equivalent to people who are range trading, because that's where you know it's all exciting. It's over short periods of time. You're trying to make a quick buck. Um, what you're talking about is actually much longer term in the FTSE example but what you're really saying is actually for range trading you can be trading over over a long or short period but it's all based on a range yes so okay. what you perceive to be that range whether is it within a range going up or within a range going down or within a range that's basically horizontal and one example that people don't always appreciate with that is range trading is by the dip during a bull market, when things are generally trading up and you're trading up within two channels, you'll probably find you'll have high and low points within that channel. And the low points are opportunities for you to buy in at a reasonable price. So that's often buying the dip. But there's also time periods where when you're going down and you, you miss the first part, things don't generally fall down immediately. There's usually, depending on your time frame, you get bits where they go up before they go back down. And they give you opportunities to get out because you missed the first indication. You might get the chance of second or third indication. So there's some times where other ways you can use it. It's not just what day traders always use, although they might use it more than most, or certainly more people realize that they use these pattern following techniques more than most. Another thing is within a business cycle, you have sort of three distinct periods. A range where nothing much has happened, it's basically almost like a static range where it just bounces up and down within high and low band. But eventually, it comes out of the trough into the bull phase, it's the general trend will be up. 
but it'll be within a channel while it goes up. So there'll be some days where it goes up faster, and some days where it pulls back. But on average, it's going up. Now, when it pulls back, you can use that opportunity to buy in regularly so you get into the bull phase without having to pile in all at the beginning because it's actually quite difficult to time it. Whereas this allows you to help using the patterns to get into most of that bull recovery and bull growth. Eventually, when you get to the peak end of the cycle, you'll hit a bit where it'll be within a range. It'll just up, be just be up and down, just going sideways. And then you have a recessionary period where you're going down. And But again, it's not down in a straight line. It's down in a channel. So this allows you opportunities where it will go down fast someday and pull back. Goes down and pulls back. And the pullbacks allow you opportunities to get out. Sometimes I've had to use that when I've missed the first one. The second and third opportunity has allowed me to get out at a much better price. Okay, so what you're saying is nothing goes up or down in a straight line. Unfortunately not. So everything's a bit more of a zigzag. Okay, so we've talked about ranges there in terms of time and price. And it sounds like you can set your own boundary, depending on whether you're interested in an intraday or a longer than an intraday time period. So these boundaries that we're talking about setting, are there methods that can help you to set that range? Yes, and some of these methods have been around since, well, the Victorian periods. You could do it, the first ones you can think of is basically you're looking at the graphs and you're drawing line, trend lines. So you're picking the peaks and drawing lines between them and then moving it to make a parallel path and going, well, I'm expecting my stock price to move within that band, up, down, or sideways. That's probably some of the easiest ones. Then you can use some mathematical methods to try and make that a bit more systematic, which allows you to take the human bias out of it. Some of these other methods are such uh, also known as like Bollinger Bands. Now, these are uh, based on standard deviations over the time frame you're looking at, and it will tell you whether you're going up or down compared to the standard deviation of your movement over a week, a month, a year, to help you estimate what your band will be. Other ones you can use is looking at moving averages for the day. 10 day moving average, 30 day moving average, 100 day moving average, and looking at where they cross over. That's another method. It's not very sophisticated, but it's another method some people have used in the past and some people still use today. There are others that then when you're getting into the hedge fund industry, which are using far more sophisticated methods and algorithms that look at, for example, rates of change, of growth, of volatility, and of volume that's being traded to work out what your risk range is to make their price range based on a probability, based on past events, of whether things are likely to go up or down. But they're based on other things, not just the recent trend, it's of the price, the, the rate of change of the price, and the amount of sales that are happening within that period. Now that gets quite complicated. This is more where it gets to be quite data intensive. But there are many, many different ones. They're just a few of the most notable cases. Okay. So a couple of things that jump out at me there. One is volatility, but we'll just park that one for a second. Resistance. And we're not talking about electronic device here or, or a resistor. But resistance is something I hear a lot banded around, yes. No pun intended. So when you talk about resistance, what does that mean when you're looking at one of these charts? Is it a method or is it, you know, is that part of any of those methods that you've mentioned? It is, but not necessarily directly. So what you'll find is you'll have a pattern. The general trend is up. What these resistances will help you identify is when you go beyond these resistance lines, when your trend has probably changed. 
So it's like up until now we were going up. So within our bands, our channel lines, we kept hitting the channel lines, going down to the bottom channel lines and zigzagging up and down. So the general trend was up, but within a zigzag. And you can call those upper and lower bounds of your channel resistance lines. Now when you find you've gone outside of those bands, that gives you an indication of maybe the trend is changing. Okay, so on an upward trend then, if you're breaking beyond resistance, you could, and I'll throw in another phrase here, have a breakout to a higher price. So therefore, within that range trading activity, you could then turn around and say, it's highly likely I'm gonna get that higher price because there's nothing to stop that price rising until the next resistance level, which could be a price at a previous time frame. But that's the only thing that could create resistance on that. So then you've you've got the price at which it went beyond resistance and has broken out to the next resistance level. That could be your range. Is that, yes, is that that, that's another one. For example, when things are going sideways, they're just moving up and down within a range, but not really going anywhere up or down over the medium term. You can often see from historical patterns that the previous high or previous low, when they break, finally do break out of that sideways trading, they tend to go to that previous resistance line at that previous high or previous low and wobble there a bit. And then when it breaks out higher or lower from that, you can then see you then move into a different pattern. Okay, so the range traders, where that's working between two price levels and not really going above it or below it, the range traders are going to be trading that price change. Is that fair? Yes, so an example could be if we went back and looked at the FTSE 100, say the early 2000s, just where it peaked and when it went down and then when it came back up again in the late 2000s so even though from the mid to the late 2000s the general trend was up you had a local range we were in the trading channel in the upward direction however later on they started to hit a resistance level when they hit the same level they'd hit at the 2000 peak so you have ranges which are sort of short term medium term but you also have longer term ones and these often tell you where when you're hitting, give an indication going, well, if it hits this line, this a previous high resistance level at the previous peak, now it has two things. It can either go through it, trade up and down and around it, or go down. Generally goes from up, trade up and down for a bit, and then go down. It rarely does it go, keep going up, but it can sometimes, and it very rarely goes straight from up to straight down. But occasionally it does over different time frames. So it can often be used, and other traders have often used it to say, well, when it gets to this sort of level, I'm going to pay a particular attention to look what's happening. Because now I'm going to see, does it go above what it did in the, in 2000? Because then it's an indication that I'm going to keep going up in my trend. Or is it a case of going, no, I could bubble up and down here for months. Mm. That's what happened in the 70s. Or, no, no, I could, after a couple of weeks, it can be going down. So that's, that's some way where you can use different yeah. time frames and different types of ranges to determine what to do. Okay, so so we're saying in that, from from a resistance point of view, that you can use that, but actually, you know, this this is real trading to me, as I understand it, because there's, there's a level of speculation in there. You are speculating that it will go up or down based on a number of factors. In that sense of range trading you could you're going to win or lose if you've got a good process 
you might win more than you lose, but you're still going to lose some of the time. Some of the time, and that's the difference between the hedge fund managers and whatever they who and others professionally who use this method. There's a famous one for in America from the late 1890s to early 1920s. Jesse Livemore. He did this sort of thing where he noticed patterns and followed them. But even he admits, yeah, I got eight out of ten right. The thing is to control yourself so that those two that you didn't get right, you didn't bet the house on it. So it is possible. Some people do do it. It can get quite complicated how you work out what their ranges are but it's a probability here not a certainty so you're going to have to take you will have to take losses okay so the other thing we mentioned briefly there was volatility is volatility a help or a hindrance in these scenarios for range trading depends because you can use volatility as part of your ranges to tell you what to do for example when volatility is really low it is some people use it as an indication say well it's not really going to be a an indication of significant change. Whereas when you get very high volatility, uh, often coincides with changes in the trends. So some people use it as a tell for that. Some people use it just to trade the volatility. So have you got any examples of how you range trade or how you maybe shouldn't have range traded? <laughs> you know, all the things we've talked about, how have you used those or have you got any any advice <laughs> that, you know, steer clear of it? I can give you some examples of how not to do it. So this was from a while back. Now, when I was talking about you have a general upward trend and it's within a channel going upwards now the ideal thing would be to when it pulls back by then and then right, when it so sorry, not yeah. when it races forward however i've bought at completely the wrong time when it pulled up i've also bought at the time when i've not really paid attention to the other trends where they've happened to hit other peaks well i've bought at the top because i wasn't really paying attention i was only looking at one factor um and realized later on that i bought at the top missed it as it turned over missed it the second time as it's on the trend down but on the third pull up at from the general downward trend, managed to get out without losing completely everything. That is one example of how not to do it. Right. So, and that's when you say about, you know, that's almost to me a bit like, you know, you're chasing the price because you have seen it go up, but you've almost, you've left it too late to get in and it's rolled over. And as you said, there's other factors that have come to, to pass that mean the price has dropped. But what you have done, I think there, that's quite significant is you've, you've sold on a, on, on an upward, on an up day, not sold on a down day. So another time I've used it is, and that was when I was thinking about trading, not day trading, but it's more like of a shorter time, monthly time periods. But there's other times when I've looked at, I've got an investment trust, I wanted to buy in. I've collected enough on the monthly savings that it's now a big enough lump that it makes cost effective to buy an investment trust. I've decided that's the one I want, it's paying the right yields, it's got the right behaviours and what them and what their underlying investments are are the things I want to invest in. Now what I've said is I've got a window of maybe two through three months when I want to buy into it and then I look at it going, well, I could just buy today and not even bother look at the price. Or I could just look and see how it's doing. And one time I have noticed, or one or two times I've noticed where they were sort of like rolling over within their little, their uptrend. And I was going to go, I'm learning from what I did last time. Let's wait until it pulls back and buy it then. So I've got set myself a window going, over the next couple of weeks, it will pull back, I'll buy them. Another time it would rolled over, this was an emerging markets, so it was particularly out of fashion, so therefore I was not surprised that the price was generally rolling over, the net asset value wasn't, so it's getting bigger and bigger discount, and I used that to say, I'm happy to buy in between now and the next two months, I'm gonna wait for a time when it sort of 
see how far it's going to bottom out and use that as my time to buy in there because I wouldn't have to buy today but I wanted to do it within the next two months so it helps me do that time there going when trying to get a slightly better t entry point right, but so it's something yeah. I'll be holding for a very long time so I'm not really worried about the exit point because I've already decided I want to buy it I'm now just using the opportunity Mr. Market has given me that he thinks emerging markets aren't a very good thing to be in so it can offer me a good discount but that's quite a specific case that I've used it's not what most people use it for no but I think what you're saying is you know there's the adage about you know time in the market not timing the market but actually you're trying to do a little bit of time in the market by not paying the top price and you're happy to buy on a down day rather than an up day which that's correct because usually in the past I've always bought on up days because psychologically that's what you do you chase the momentum it's difficult to buy on a down day that took quite a bit to psychological to get over to do that yeah and a lot of this is mental uh, rather than the physical pressing of buttons to buy and sell stuff there's a level of mental strength in there okay we were we were looking at time frames as well on this and i think you mentioned when we were talking about putting the episode together about the the time frame around ceo or chief executive officer's tenure as an interesting range to see how things are what, what was the thinking there yes so there can be significant events in either individual companies or markets or se market sectors for example for individual companies it can be when you have a new chief executive and a new uh, board of directors because often that can be a significant change in the strategy of how the company will what it wants to do and how it wants to perform and you can often see step changes sometimes for the good sometimes for the bad and that can often be a time span where you start looking at there relative to what the previous CEO and his management team were like other ones can be when you've got things that regularly happen such as end of financial year results because they happen quite regular they can be the results that come out of those can be quite price sensitive to what the share price is doing and also dividends when you actually get paid they can often be slightly higher trading around those dates so you can look for other sort of significant events like that that happen periodically and look what the patterns are yeah because you talked about dividends i mean generally unless the market's doing something interesting on any given day on a what the class is an ex-dividend day that stock or fund is generally going to drop the, the the thinking is by the value of that dividend so if it's you know one and a half percent dividend payment you're probably likely to see the stock drop one and a half percent on that day not always but typical so you know those patterns are coming and i guess you know like you said if you want to buy something for a lower price you could probably buy it on the day albeit you could have bought it the day before and taken the dividend but you could buy it on a down day and that's always guaranteed but it's it's often a down day the ex-dividend day other significant market events that can often happen is when the company announces a special dividend because that's unexpected above not normally happens and that can often have a spike and sometimes then it whittles back down to where it originally was because those who wanted the extra bit of dividend had already bought it bought the news mm -hmm. and i guess that's interesting isn't it when you think about time in the or fixing the range bounding your range trading if you like if you know a company pays a quarterly dividend and you are buying in prior to the ex-dividend day or after the ex-dividend day if it's in an upward trend you'd expect it to trade upwards before the next dividend and you could then turn around and say you're talking a three-month time period there so you buy in in and around that first dividend and you can hold that till prior to and let's say a few days before the ex-dividend and if the overall trend is up you would expect that to appreciate in price not always the case it's a strategy that i hear some people do use and they have success with it 
again like you said balance of probabilities you'll probably find seven out of eight seven out of ten do that and there'll be two or three that don't follow that trend so it's a numbers game in the end but there is a strategy i've heard that works yeah so yeah there's lots of ways of tackling that i guess and the, the the thing for me out of this is it's not something i am desperately familiar with but it comes down to what you want to trade and how you want to trade it and therefore that range and those parameters come down to you understanding what you're happy to trade over a certain period of time. So if you're day trading, you really need to be available and watching that market. If you're going to do it, like you said, over 10 year, what the FTSE's 100's doing, you know, you're probably not so worried about the intraday moves. Or possibly even the intra-week moves. But yes. you might like to avoid the big pullbacks in the market, like the recessions and things like that. So I think there's a balanced approach to be taken on whatever your strategy needs to be, but you need to have a clear process for any of this stuff, I think. And maybe use some of the tools and techniques that you've mentioned earlier. So Philip, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you think's significant or anything we've missed around range trading? The only thing I'd like to point out is again, as we're trading, there are many risks involved with that, like keeping your position sizes appropriate. And you can often see it's not for everyone, it's time consuming, it's not something I do, on a regular basis because I don't have the time and I don't have that risk appetite. So before you jump into it, you need to go in there, you need to have a strategy, know what you're doing, know how you're going to control your risks so you don't bet everything on one. Some of the time you will lose because there are lots of things when you see in the financial press, a lot of people try this and they lose a lot of money very, very fast. So be careful if that's the route you want to go down go in there with your eyes open and know what the risks are and have a strategy. Yeah, and I guess there you're you're not talking necessarily about the longer term investment stuff there. You are talking about the trading. The day trading um, end, yes. Where, you know, retail customers with various different platforms now they they will state what the let's say that the success levels are. Or lack of success or levels. Or lack of success. You know, and you're talking sort of, I don't know, somewhere between 60 and 60 and 80% of the time people are losing money. So there's obviously people making money, but the health warning's there on, on the short-term trading, I think. You need to go in there with your eyes open, understand the risks and control them, and you need to do your research. Yeah, so again, thanks, Philip, for your time today, and we'll see you next time. This programme has been presented for information and educational purposes only. None of the information or content of the programme is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the programme's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities. Nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.